0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Now it is official. I've been telling you for days about the way they are constricting, like the, like the tyrannical snake they are, constricting around free speech, eroding and and squeezing beyond recognition, the First Amendment and doing so in the most pernicious of ways. And here we are now with the official declaration from YouTube, which you have to understand, YouTube is owned by Google and it has a parent company, a company known as Alphabet. And this is the most powerful Internet company in the world. That's actually even more powerful than Facebook or Twitter or any of the others. The only thing that comes close to it really is Amazon. Uh, but, you, but Google is effectively an internet monopolist. They can demonetize you on YouTube. Sure, they've already done that to me. Uh, but they also can make sure that you are dropped down in search results. They can decide what is seen about you and what is not seen about you. Enormous amounts of power. And not only is this a private company that led the American people and led the regulators in DC, led Congress to believe for a long time that it was effectively a, a neutral, algorithm based internet search and communications company. I mean, it does a lot of things, right? Your Gmail, your Google searches. Your, I can't even name all the things that Google's involved in right now. But they've let you know because they've put out on YouTube while we're still trying to figure out what's going on in this this election. There are lawsuits currently out there in court that are making certain declarations. If you say that you support those lawsuits, that you think they have merit, that you think they're true, you run the risk of being canceled. And this is not theoretical. This is not a conspiracy official statement coming out from youtube this morning uh we just shared an update on youtube election efforts including how we're handling community guidelines our policies this these are this is a quote from official youtube public uh, public affairs our policies disallow content alleging widespread for uh, fraud or errors change the outcome of a historical u.s presidential election we allow this type of commentary for current elections as election officials work to finalize counts. December 8th was the safe harbor deadline for the U.S. presidential election, and enough states have now certified their results to determine a president-elect. As such, starting today, we will remove new content uploaded on or after December 9th, 2020, alleging that widespread fraud or errors changed the outcome of the U.S. presidential election. For example... We will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won the election as a result of widespread software glitches or counting errors. This uh, content that includes sufficient uh, context may remain similar to how we allow COVID information uh, that is sufficient with ESDA content, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. if you say that this election was stolen now on YouTube, you will get your content pulled down. You will be demonetized. Now, you may think and this this is a a big problem. We have so much of conservative media. We have these places we go. We have these areas where we think, okay, at least there's some there's some safety there. Talk radio is really the, the ultimate example of that. We still we use the really the oldest method of mass communication, short of the printing press in existence to great effect. And we have one cable channel. I know there are a couple others, but they're not in the distribution that they need to be in in 100 million homes to compete. Uh, We have one major cable channel, and that's it. And a lot of you I know are, I've seen your notes, I've seen your messages about what's going on over there. So I'm aware of your thoughts on that. And the rest of the media ecosystem, which determines... What people are reading in the news, what people think is going on in the country, how dangerous is covid? You have no way of knowing. The only way you could know is by reading media uh, outlets. The only way you can actually get a real sense of this nationwide is newspapers, websites, TV, radio, etc. That's true of all of us. This is the flow of information, which means it is our mass perception in the public of what's happening in this country. And the most powerful companies involved in that are straight up saying Biden won. It's over. Shut up or we'll come after you. They're straight up saying it. And if you think that this that that there are some people that are going to withstand this with their websites or withstand this and and, you know, continue on as is, at least on these platforms. I got to tell you something. It's not going to happen. Because th- they will do this. They can demonetize. YouTube doesn't need conservative creators. Doesn't need them. Doesn't care. Same thing with Twitter. They don't need you. They don't need us. Very, re- very wealthy companies that can withstand this. So what happens is also other companies that rely on Google for their ads, other media organizations that have you know, enormous budgets and have a lot of payroll to meet, they're going to start falling in line. This is like a dictate from on high. This is essentially the left wing controlled Internet telling you it's over. Shut up. You're not allowed to talk about this anymore. If you do, we'll hit you. And then what happens is they don't hit the people that go along with it. And everyone forgets. Why is this person growing so fast online? You don't think that people are cutting side deals with these companies. You don't think that there's controlled opposition that are so-called conservatives who are basically never Trumpers, but they make deals with these Internet companies so that they don't get touched. You can see who's upset about this and who still profits. Who still grows and has no problem here? Who's getting throttled and who's not? Oh, yes, there's money here. There's influence. There's prestige. There's a lot at stake for people. So watch very closely who speaks out about this and who just has the follower count keep going up and up. Who's just minting money while being a conservative? That's the game. This is how they run the most effective influence operation imaginable on a massive scale. This is how the this is how the left wins. This is how they win. I don't have an answer. I have a rallying cry that we fight, that we talk about it, that we raise the alarm, that we demand the repeal of Section 230, people say it won't do, it's not perfect. Well, this is awful, what we have right now. But, I mean, the the advantage, the Internet monopolists, yeah, maybe they'll have a competitor 10 years from now. What do you think the country looks like in 10 years if you can't say things that you believe to be true on the Internet? And remember, the creators that they go after, the content creators and and the the pundits and the commentators and the, you know, the, the reporters, uh, they all they have to do is shut them down. And then how do how do people that are trying to, you know, operate. Operate at their jobs that aren't in the media, how do they get the information they need to know what's really going on? You know where they get it from the websites that aren't throttled. The websites that aren't shadow banned, The people who are all of a sudden having all their stuff shared freely. We had just begun to go. Toe to toe with the left-wing mainstream media apparatus, the last really the last ten years or so, because well, because people realized that half the country wasn't being properly served. I mean, there's a reason that Fox News is a ratings juggernaut, and there's a reason that even though there's a tremendous amount of money to be made in conservative media, there's always these hurdles. You can't get the right sponsors. Uh, you know, if, if you're a major corporation, you won't go with them right that they won't do that for you You can't get Mercedes Benz. If you're a cable news channel, they have all of the on the right on the left. You can be lunatic MSNBC and, you know, Amazon will sponsor you and all this. These are all of the impediments. So you want to know why a party like the Democrats Who are for defunding police, socialism, abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy, toxic identity politics, open borders. You want to know how they're able to say that they now won the election because of what I'm telling you. This is how they win. We have to fight against this. We have to understand these mechanisms. I, I know there are people out there who want to say, oh, but you know, there's someone in the, administ- in the Trump administration and you know, now this is 8D chess and we're going to... No, I'm telling you that's not true. They think they've got us. They think they've got us. You're going to see a drop-off. You're going to see people, all of a sudden, there'll they'll be this, this focus on, on other things, palatable stories for the right, But not digging in on—I mean, I—you know—I dig in on COVID as hard as I dig in on the election stuff. We're completely being being bamboozled. We're having the wool pulled over our eyes as a nation. People are losing their livelihoods. They're going bankrupt. Their lives are being ruined, and they're not going to be fixed in ninety days when the vaccine starts to hit critical mass. They're not going to be—they're not lives aren't going to be fixed. They're not going to be made whole. So that has to—that debate, that argument, that stopping the madness has to happen now, they're shutting it all down. I'm trying to come up with better answers. I know there are these platforms, but they're nascent platforms. There are alternatives. Uh, The Trump administration still has the power of the executive branch. Maybe there are ways that they could use it to some effect in the meantime. I know they're focused in on what's really happening with this election. But keep in mind now, the, the people around the administration who are trying to get the word out who are trying to talk about, and they do it by keyword now. So if you talk about, let's say, suitcases and Georgia, you are targeted. And there are people who build their whole businesses on this. Google can destroy, name a website that, that is a, a favorite conservative website of yours. With the possible exception of foxnews.com, Google can basically destroy them. Cut off their ads, drop them down in search. Facebook, the same thing, can destroy them. When I worked for a website years ago, the Facebook traffic uh, that that was taken away from the site when they changed the algorithm was catastrophic, led to a lot of layoffs. This is real power, and it's power to determine the conversation. It's power to tell you what you can say and to tell you what you'll see and what you'll know. The Internet was initially this free and open playing field for ideas, for communications. That's that's what it was. That was the promise of it. I'm going back now to the nineties, you know, to the the CompuServe and AOL era, right? The internet was this, this place that put us all in connection with each other, but also gave you access to this repository that was endless of ideas and information and facts and And now the left, because they are collectivists and because they are inherently totalitarian in their mindset because they think that they have all the absolute answers and no one else can have alternative answers Uh, now they want to use what was the greatest the greatest apparatus for the spread of information and the increase of communications they are using it now in a way really similar to china to control your mind You don't think that's what's happening. They are programming you. They're they're showing you what you can see. They're showing you what you can read. And anyone who tries to get in and tell you, hold on a second, that's not the truth. They shut that person down. They make them obscure. They make it so that they can't get followers. They can't pay their bills. Maybe they got to find a new job, a new industry. Maybe they got to learn to code. Go work for Google. I know for for the right, for conservatives, we're. Generally, just culturally in our media tastes, we're not as as tech involved. You know, somehow we don't have a single major and all props in respect to Parler and Rumble. I'm not I'm on them. I use them. They're great. But we don't have a single major critical mass social media platform that never mind is right wing that is devoted to the ideals of free speech. For those of you who are saying you want to, you know, you want to go listen to like some local radio guy right now who's like, well, oh, no, we're going to win and we're we're going to win and just yelling all this stuff. Let me tell you, we're not going to win if this continues. We cannot beat this machinery's message unless we attack the machinery itself. You want to see how this election fight goes and want to be able to win the election fights that will come after it. We must address this problem. It is essential. And I and and it doesn't matter if you're on Twitter or Facebook or these things. It's the most powerful tool for controlling the conversation nationally that exists, bar none, no question. And it has been now weaponized officially against Trump, against his supporters. We are we are in covid lockdown and now we are in election information
0: lockdown. Doesn't really feel like America, does it? Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to bucksexton.com. Remember Russia
1: collusion? This was a a truly bizarre, deranged, evidence-free theory that the Trump campaign and then Donald Trump himself worked with the Russians. To somehow steal the 2016 election. This was treated as gospel by the mainstream media for three years. I mean, they still do now, but. This was something they continued on. Pretending was true. Was there any effort ever to penalize people online for the lies of Russia collusion? Has any scrubbing of. Social media accounts or websites occurred where they said, you know what? Sorry, that was all a lie. And that was used as a political weapon to undermine the sitting president, President Donald J. Trump. Was there any of that? No. But now that they think the power is transferring to their hands, in fact, they're ensuring the power will transfer into their hands with moves like this. Now they're going to want to use it and they want to engage in reprisals. They're looking to make examples of people, too, and they pretend that this is around some principle. I mean, why aren't we having these social media CEOs sit before the American people and explain how Russia collusion is not something that was ever throttled, banned, shadow banned, shut down, demonetized, never led to any of that, even though it was all lies. CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the L.A. Times, go down the list, PBS, all these different channels and stations just full of insane lies about Russia collusion. Oh, any day now. Oh, you know, Rachel Maddow built a huge audience at MSNBC lying to them like a bunch of idiots about how Trump was a Russian Kremlin asset. Never apologized for it, never penalized for it. So I want us to understand what the new rules are. They can lie about the president, the sitting president. They can call him a traitor. They can call him a criminal. They can call him anything they want. And they can use the media ecosystem as an echo chamber so they convince enough foolish Americans that this is actually true. But on the other side, for real questions like, What are we doing on covid and what happened to this election? They shut it down. So not only will they prevent us from getting answers, they use that same information control, that same apparatus of propaganda to lie to our very faces. They say they're doing this to prevent lying and to protect facts and and accuracy until they all have to be held to account for Russia collusion. This is a farce.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: All right, now for some good news, although in a way it's also troubling that it came to this. I told you that General Flynn was pardoned by the president. you would no doubt have seen or heard that a lot of places. It was pretty big news when it happened. And in response to that, you had Judge Emmett Sullivan produce a thirty-four-page uh, opinion from the from the federal bench that shows you what final-stage Trump derangement syndrome looks like. General Flynn is an innocent man. They ruined this guy, and they used the law to settle political scores against him. They ruined this guy, or tried to. Based on lies, deception, the destruction of his constitutional rights. It was all politicized. It was a partisan hit. That's what they did to General Flynn. We all know it. This is very clear. But it took a pardon from the president of the United States to get a federal judge to stop going after him. And then he wrote a 34 page article. 34 page opinion from the bench where he talked about how Flynn is guilty and the administration shouldn't have done this. And this is, you know, yes, they have the power, but this is a miscarriage of justice like a lunatic. He continued a prosecution by judge after the Department of Justice, which is the prosecutorial arm of the federal government, dropped the case and told him we never should have brought this case. But he thinks he's respecting the system by trashing it. Because he doesn't like a decision that they made. It was their decision. What is this guy doing? Yes, General Flynn is no longer in criminal jeopardy. And he has been officially pardoned. But we also need to know that Judge Emmett Sullivan is a Trump deranged lunatic. And he should be, and I mean this, removed from the federal bench and disbarred forthwith right away. That's what should happen. This guy is scary. Do you think, if, if you're a person known in public life as a conservative, as a Trump supporter, do you think that you could get a fair trial in Judge Emmett Sullivan's courtroom? This guy's a federal circuit judge in D.C. It's a pretty big deal. You think you get a fair trial? Absolutely not. This guy's a disgrace, a disgrace to the judiciary. But he shows you what we're up against. This, This was unheard of. When the when the DOJ says the the judge doesn't get to pick somebody, does a judge get to say, you know what? I don't like this guy. I'm going to bring him into my courtroom and prosecute him. It's basically what they did to Judge Sullivan. I mean, to uh, to General Flynn. Completely insane. But I'm very uh, so. So it's good that General Flynn is no longer in criminal jeopardy, but they dragged him through four years of this madness Four. years years of this insanity for what for what to make an example of him and unfortunately that still stands do do you think that now people might have second thoughts especially to support trump if he's leaving that oval office in january which you know i'll leave it to you i'll leave the percentages to you but Certainly is a possibility. Uh, I think we could say it's a probability. I've been saying that for weeks. If that happens, do you think that people are going to be a little bit concerned about what could happen to them if they go forward and support Donald J. Trump? You think that may be something to consider here? Because I do. Because I do. I think there are going to be a lot of people who say, "Uh, what are my risks here? What's going to happen? Here is the Attorney General for New York State, Leticia James, who is straight up threatening, like a mob boss, threatening prosecution of Donald Trump by her state when he leaves office. Play, uh, play seven
0: it's important to understand he is pardoned from federal crimes but he is not pardoned from state crimes last year I introduced a bill in the state legislature which would close the pardon loophole so that individuals such as the president of the United States would not evade justice it's important that we have this check on presidential powers and in the legislature, the state legislature I'm so happy they passed that bill and it is now the law in the state of New York Um, President Trump cannot avoid justice in the great state of New York.
1: People have asked me, should the president pardon himself? I think the answer is yes. What's it, what happens if he pardons, if he writes a, a preemptive pardon for himself and, and his family members? Think about this. What, what, what's the downside? Oh, everyone's going to scream, oh, look what he did, he's a criminal. They're saying that anyway. There's no fair-minded person who looks at Trump and look, looks at what's going on right now and says, yeah, he'll, he'll be left alone in private life. They'll, they'll back all. Don't let him go all, you know, go lead a, a quiet family life with uh, his kids and grandkids. Nope. nope. We chanted lock her up and then Hillary evaded justice, even though she did break the law. They will go after Trump and they'll fabricate crimes. That's how they play the game. We we play, you know, two hand touch. We're playing flag football here in politics. They are putting on brass knuckles and hitting us in the back of the head when the ref is not looking. That's how they play the game. Unfortunately, I think we're going to get another, another lesson in that here very soon. They're going, to, they're going to go after people with prosecutions. They're going to go after people with the IRS. Oh, but they talk of unity. Remember that? In, in their little self-congratulatory delusion. We just want the American people to unify. But remember, New York state charges, it is true. You, you can only pardon yourself from federal charges. You, got, you cannot clear yourself, even as president, from state charges. And nor can he clear his family members from that. And they've been talking about this for a long time. Now, you might say, Buck, but can they really get him? I don't know. Can they fabricate a crime? They fabricated Russia collusion. But even if they can't convict Trump or any of his family members, they can certainly investigate them, hound them, go after them, harass them. I think Ivanka Trump just, what was it, a week ago, had, was, was deposed having to do with inauguration spending. What? Yeah. Do you think there'll be any? Let me ask you this. Do you think there'll actually be any federal criminal charges about the inauguration spending? No, no, not, not against Ivanka, not against any of the Trumps. not going to happen. Why? Well, they they've got somebody in the DOJ who you know wants to harass them. It's like it's auditioning for a, a bigger, better role in a Biden administration. This is what they do. It's it's appalling. Look, Trump is, and I, I want to be very clear: Trump is not giving up the fight. He's he's staying in this till the absolute very end. I mean, I think he's going to fight this until the day that the moving trucks arrive. And God bless him. Why not? Why why pretend? That everything is fine here. And why pretend that the Biden administration in any way that these Democrats have acted in good faith? They put forward this quasi senile clown. And we're all supposed to say, yeah, you guys have the best interests of the nation at heart. Sure. I don't think so. Not going to not going to happen with me. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else. Here's the president, though. Just just letting everybody know and doing a little bit of trolling. Play 11.
0: The next administration will be the one ultimately that implements a lot of the distribution of this vaccine and will oversee much of the future of the way Operation Warp Speed goes forward. Why not include members of the Biden transition team as part of this
2: summit that you're hosting today? Well,
1: we're going to have to see who the next administration is because uh, we won in those swing states. And. Uh, There was uh, terrible things that went on, so we're going to have to see who the next administration is. But whichever the next administration is will really benefit by what we've been able to do with this incredible science, Uh, the doctors, all of the people that came up, the lab technicians. the The work that's been done is incredible, and it will be incredible for the next administration. And hopefully the next administration will be the Trump administration. We'll see. But I like that he still goads them and he's showing them he's not backing down one bit. They think they can tame Trump as he's in these weeks of December before what could be a presidential transition and they're wrong. He's not going to back down. He's not going to give up and what you see now is more and more reason to continue on with that fight even, even if we don't win. We stay unified and we show the other side that We got we got some backbone. We can dig in. We're willing to take this all the way to take this to the mat.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
1: You know what the president isn't doing uh, is telling anybody, telling Americans what they should do in the meantime while we're waiting for this vaccine to be distributed to the general population. He is not communicating the message about what they should do to curb the spread of this. That's what Biden is talking about. Biden is talking, you know, obviously darker terms, uh, obviously not putting nearly as much emphasis on the vaccine, but talking about the near term, the next few hundred days in which basically Americans still have to do a lot to protect themselves until we can get that inoculation. That's right. This is what you're going to be told every day from now until the end of January. We haven't been told enough. Do, do you feel like that? We haven't been told enough about social distancing, wear a mask, wash your hands. I mean, here, here's the, a question that I asked yesterday on on Twitter, you know, before they, they banned me. But he, here's a question that they ask on Twitter, and, and uh, that I asked on Twitter, rather, and I, I got to tell you, um, as I look at it, It's amazing to me how unself-aware so many people are. I said um, about this COVID stuff that we're being told all the time. Um, I asked the very real question. Does anyone have an explanation of how it's possible? Mass compliance is the most widespread it has been all year in this country. But we now have more COVID cases than we did in March of 2020 and April. After months of viral spread with no mask mandates and almost no public masking at all. And I said, please answer me before Twitter bans this question, because as we know, social media companies are run by idiot libs and they can't think for themselves. Okay, so what is the answer to this? What's amazing to me, and this tells you so much, is how many people respond to this with because it's blah, 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 you idiot. And there's a hundred different people with a hundred different reasons why I'm an idiot for not knowing what their approved consensus left wing Fauci seal of approval answer is. It's because people aren't masking up enough. Really? So so they didn't really think about the question very much, did they? We went from basically no masking in March and April. Very, very little. Very intermittent here and there. And certainly no mandates. We went from that to eighty percent, ninety percent mass compliance, and somehow cases and now cases are higher. Some of them were saying because cases are not hospitalizations and deaths, you idiot! Really, hospitalizations and deaths are also higher. But you just go, you go down this list because Europe figured it out and we didn't. Really, Germany just said it's all time one day death record from COVID. Germany is. A sixth the size of the United States, they had almost, what was it, 500, 500 plus dead in one day. So it's, you know, two or three thousand dead in one day in Germany if you made it a comparable to the U.S. population. Oh, and I thought the Germans figured out the whole thing. I thought the Germans had the answer. It was those dumb Trump supporters. It is so dangerous and so wrong for people to think it's OK to blame disfavored political groups. In the United States and group in this case, half the country that supported Donald Trump, they're the reason for this virus. This is idiocy. There's no basis for this. And they can't answer these questions when you bring them up. And my favorite, of course, as I've said, is it's so obvious, you idiot. And then they they tell me something and I say, well, your other liberal blue check friend over here who believes in the science has a different answer. So which one of you is correct? And if it's a 100 different things, maybe it's not obvious, is it? All you have to do is ask the questions. You don't even have to take stands right now. Just just ask the questions you're not supposed to. And when you get unsatisfactory answers and you're told, shut up, peasant, do what you're told. You know exactly what you're up against. Anyone can observe that what. The media, the left, the libs have been saying was going to save us. We can control this. We can flatten the curve. Clearly, that is not true. Clearly, it is called an observation of reality all around us. I know people here in New York who are getting covid. I have friends in L.A. who have just gotten covid. I know people all across the country are seeing cases and and hospitalizations spiking even more than they did the last uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. So this is now the this, this so-called second wave that we're seeing. Right. This is the second wave. But if we have gotten so much better with our PPE, we've got and remember, we have better treatments for this now. So somehow the virus has spread more and it's spread more efficiently. OK, maybe there's a mutation that's led to the increased spread. We don't know. That's a real answer. I, I could handle that as an answer. But wear a mask like what Cuomo says all the time. That's not a real answer. I'm, uh, that's not me saying that it doesn't work at all. I'm just saying the reason that we have this huge spike in cases is not lack of mass compliance. That is madness. People are masking up all over the place. I know people who are very mask conscientious. They're sick or they've gotten sick. So w- w- what are they? Is it their fault? Oh, no, it's only a Republican's fault. When a Republican gets covid, it's his fault. So when Rudy Giuliani gets COVID-19, the media says, see, he's reckless. But when Jared Polis, the governor of Colorado, a big mask maniac, when he gets it and his wife gets it, it's, oh, gosh, it's a virus. I guess it can really spread. Gosh, this is real contagious. This is this is tearing us apart. We should be unified against this. We should be united as a country. This isn't this is an external enemy that is mixing in our in, in all over our society. This virus. And instead, people have used this as a wedge. They've used this for further division and they refuse to deal with what we can all see and observe. They are lying to you and just asking them to explain themselves results in them saying that you are the liar.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: We do have Jenna Ellis of the Trump legal team. She's on the front line of this whole thing. She's joining us now live. Jenna, thank you so much for calling
2: in. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So I I gave the audience a little bit of a primer on that the Supreme Court denied injunctive relief today. But that's not the same thing as saying, because I have people text me, is it all over? Uh, No, it is not all over, but tell people what they need to know about Pennsylvania and and let's go through some of the still active legal challenges.
2: Yes. Well, importantly, this is uh, Mike Kelly's lawsuit. It's not one of the Trump campaign's uh, lawsuits, even though obviously there are a variety of individuals and organizations that are very concerned about election integrity as well they should be, um, including the AG of Texas that filed um, a great case that we can talk about uh, that in in front of the Supreme Court uh, late last night. Uh, But importantly for Mike Kelly's uh, suit in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court only denied what's called emergency injunctive relief, which basically he was asking um, the court to stay the certification of results pending the outcome of that case. And the Supreme Court denied that, but they did not deny the petition uh, for the writ of cert, which is the legal term, of course, for actually going in front of the Supreme Court and having them grant uh, hearing the appeal. So the appeal is still pending. The case is still very much alive. Um, It's only that uh, injunction of the certification of results that was denied today. So all of the reporters need to correct their fake news headlines.
1: Yes. Tell me this. where? So where does, what is the Trump campaign legal uh, situation in Pennsylvania specifically? You said that's Mike Kelly's case. What is your case?
2: Right. So in Pennsylvania right now, uh, we had a uh, an appeal that went to the Third Circuit um, on a very narrow issue. That was denied. We have not yet appealed that to the Supreme Court. We do have another case that's pending um, out of Pennsylvania. That was the one on all of the late ballots that uh, Justice Alito ordered uh, to be segregated out. Uh, That case has been pending for a couple of weeks in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, Whether or not it will be heard in unison, possibly with Mike Kelly's uh, consolidated, sometimes the Supreme Court does that. That's very possible in this instance. Uh, But that's the case that we have pending right now in front of the Pennsylvania or out of Pennsylvania. And of course, uh, we also have Uh, the state legislature avenue, where we have uh, had the hearings in front of state legislatures, including Pennsylvania, asking them to exercise their authority under the federal constitution to say for themselves, even without a court order. Listen, we look at what's happened in our state. All of the rules were uh, blatantly violated. We can't certify uh, false illegal results. And so we're going to take back uh, the method of electing our delegates and make findings of fact and determine what slate uh, to move forward with. So that's been really uh, the route that Mayor Giuliani and I have uh, taken with the state legislators over the last uh, two weeks to encourage them uh, to exercise their constitutional authority because they're the last uh, stop the gap uh, to really be the voice of the people and to make sure that corruption does not reign in elections and make sure that they are the ones that step in and say, no, we're not going to uh, send a false slate of delegates to the Electoral College.
1: We're speaking to Jenna Ellis. She is one of the lawyers representing the Trump campaign in these various lawsuits. Try to get to the bottom of what really happened and what fraud uh, was at play in this election jenna you mentioned this texas lawsuit though from the uh towards the texas state attorney general can you please tell us about this because i don't think i mean I, I know the media is not covering this stuff fairly but i don't think they've even really covered this much at all
2: yeah which is actually shocking because uh, this is a huge thing that a state attorney general is doing uh for other states and so this is texas that's doing four other states and basically. Uh, telling them that, you know, your state did not follow uh, the rules in your state for elections. And so this was an election official uh, violation of all of the state rules. And because of that, uh, then they are essentially disenfranchising the rest of of the American public uh, because uh, with a certification of false results based on illegal activity, then that would tip the Electoral College um, in favor of the candidate that didn't actually win. So uh, this is a huge lawsuit. It has uh, what's called, of course, original jurisdiction, where under Article Three of the U.S. Constitution that contemplates the judicial branch, when a state sues another state, then uh, that does not go up through the traditional court route, uh, but is filed directly in the Supreme Court. So uh, this has bypassed uh, the rest of the lower court. Anna will be heard directly in front of the Supreme Court because it's not an appeal. Uh, They can't deny it. Uh, And even just a few minutes ago, we learned that the the Supreme Court put this on expedited briefing schedule, which means that they know that this is a really important case to hear uh, before December 14th. Uh, That's the date, of course, that the Electoral College um, is anticipated to vote, even though we do have Supreme Court precedent in uh, prior cases and prior elections that really it's the January 6th uh, date that is the, of ultimate significance is how the court put it. Um, ultimate significance that that's the date that the Electoral College votes are counted and certified by Congress. And so that's really the date that we're looking at.
1: Speaking of Jenna Ellis, she is one of the lawyers for the Trump campaign. And uh, Jenna, tell us what what's happening in Georgia, the, the big least news story about all this had to do with the the uh, the box or the suitcase or whatever it was of ballots under the table. And within 24 hours, I was seeing everywhere. It was, you know, the media was saying debunked. And then also we've had this uh, secretary of state for Georgia, Raffensperger, who said it's all been counted. It's been counted three times. We've done the signature match. What's going on there? Tell us what's true, what's not, and where your where lawsuits stand with regard to what happened in Georgia.
2: Yeah, well, importantly, Georgia is one of the four states that Texas is suing. So that's Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Uh, but we also do have a Trump campaign lawsuit that's going through uh, the regular channels in Georgia. Uh, that that's basically asserting the same thing that that Georgia election officials didn't follow their own state law, and because of that. Uh, that resulted in an irredeemably compromised uh, vote total, and that certification is false. And so, you know, for this Secretary of State to just say, well, we've recounted um, these illegal ballots multiple times, uh, that really gets you to the same false result. So we had to go through the recount process, had to go through some of that procedure, that fact-finding investigation before we could bring this lawsuit. But now with what we do know, um, especially with the witness affidavits that said that they were kicked out of that State Farm Arena around 1030 and they knew that ballots were being counted late into the night, Uh, they signed those affidavits uh, right after Election Day. And that video, far from being debunked, only confirmed exactly what the eyewitness testimony showed. I mean, this would be no different than in a criminal case, you know, someone saying that they were an eyewitness to an armed robbery. And then later, uh, right before trial, you find the video that confirms it. Uh, That's exactly what's going on in this case. And so for mainstream media that wants to just push this aside, say, you know, your legal challenges have failed. This is Uh, you know, completely you're out of time, all of these different excuses. They're just trying to ignore the fact that there has been such widespread official misconduct and that these results cannot uh, be permitted to stand because this is so important to election integrity. And this is not just about President Trump or the campaign wanting to overturn election results. This is about wanting to make sure that the result itself is fair It's constitutionally sound and it's free and fair because that's what our constitution requires of our elections.
1: Can you tell us what is the status of the signature match? Because we hear different things about this in Georgia specifically.
2: Yes. So the campaign, uh, just as of last week, um, in fact, the day before we went into the hearing, uh, we requested through our local council for a fifth time this signature matching. So it hasn't been done uh, the Governor Kemp, of course, has called for that, but for some reason won't uh, actually require his Secretary of State to do that. So it hasn't been done in any way meaningfully. Um, and it certainly hasn't been done on a level that would get to every legal vote being counted. And uh, the illegal votes, of course, shouldn't be counted. And that's what the Democrats are never willing to acknowledge, that only the legal votes uh, that are cast according to the law of the state and ultimately the United States Constitution should be counted in any election.
1: And so that so there has not been the signature match that you because because one area here and we're speaking to Jenna Ellis for anyone who's joining us here. And and she is a member of a Trump legal t- Trump campaign legal team uh, in, in dealing with the various lawsuits in these states. Uh, Jenna, we, we see these things about X number of dead people voted and X number of illegal aliens are believed to have voted and people you say that now and everyone jumps that's actually the federal criminal statutory term for it right it's actually called the legal alien still folks believe it or not in federal law uh but all these people that you know we see these numbers how do we get the proof how do we get to to stand up and say here are people who are dead who voted and you guys don't have an answer for this you know what i mean it feels like we're waiting for that the allegations and the affidavits to turn into Factual data about fraudulent voters. Can you dig into that for me a little bit?
2: Yeah. Well, we actually have that, and this is what's been so frustrating about being denied an evidentiary hearing um, on a court level. So, for example, our case in Pennsylvania uh, that we just talked about a few minutes ago um, that's that's now uh, at the Third Circuit, and they, you know, denied that really narrow issue. Uh, what we appealed from was that judge that denied um, simply an evidentiary hearing, and he did that in a way that, and I won't you know bore your audience, but he did that in a way that was actually uh, legally incorrect because he made a finding on the merit of of uh, of the case and on the evidence when no evidence had been presented in court at all. And so for all of the the media and the leftist liberals saying, "Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence?" We haven't been granted an evidentiary hearing yet, and that's what's been so frustrating. But what we have been able to do is get hearings in front of these state legislatures and put on a sample and a very important uh, sample of our witnesses that we have, you know, 50 more, one that will testify um, to saying, you know, I saw these Uh, these ballots come in or there were duplicative ballots or, um, you know, I was told by an election official to just go ahead and allow this person to vote when they didn't have an ID or um, their signature didn't match or some other thing that was against the law in that state. And so, for example, in Arizona, we know the data and we know the numbers. We know that 11,000 votes were an overvote in that state, meaning that 11,000 votes were cast more than there were uh, registered voters. So how is that even possible? And that just alone would change the outcome in Arizona. We know that 30 over 36,000 people who were those illegal aliens um, who were not eligible to vote under U.S. law voted in that election. Uh, we have the evidence to show that over 450,000 ballots uh, were duplicated and uh, did not show the actual intent of the voter based on all of the election officials who, uh, who completely ignored the law in Arizona. So we have all of these facts. We have the witnesses. We have the data. Uh, we have the evidence. It's just a matter of being able to present that in court. And to have these judges um, try to just deny this based on Some sort of procedural issue or really just trying to pass the buck and they don't want to hear these cases uh, should, frankly, outrage every American. And that's why I'm really grateful that Ken Paxton and Texas um, are now taking this case directly to the Supreme Court because this needs to be heard. If we allow election officials to simply disregard the law in their state, then they're overturning an election uh, within. And they're just saying, we're going to completely ignore the law in our state and we are going to uh, do whatever we want in the election for the outcome that we prefer. And that is not the rule of law in America. And I don't care if you supported President Trump or Joe Biden. You may like the outcome of fraud this time, but I guarantee you that is not at all what you want to have as precedent, because America is always built on a rule of law, not a system of rulers.
1: Jenna Ellis of the Trump legal team. Jenna, before we let you go, and I know you are very busy, I just want to know what can the folks listening uh, expect from the team, you know, in broad strokes in the next couple of weeks?
2: Well, we'll definitely continue fighting. So, I mean, I've been on the phone with the mayor, uh, Mayor Giuliani, and you know we're continuing to advance both of our parallel strategies, uh, both in the judicial branch as well as the state legislatures. Uh, Georgia has a hearing coming up this week, um, and we're very hopeful that they will push through that resolution, take back their delegates. And uh, we're also going to be watching uh, really eagerly to see what the Supreme Court does with this attorney general case. So I think there's still a lot of avenues. There's still a lot of fight left for election integrity, and uh, don't listen to the mainstream media. This is definitely not over yet. We're just getting started.
1: Jenna Ellis, everybody. Jenna, thank you so much for your time and for your work. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks.